Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Occasionalists. Matt Pagel here once again, uh, getting ready to cook up a hot, steaming mini-sode for you. A mini-sode that I'm actually going to try to keep uh, and maintain the mininess of it. I'm going to try not to uh, go past... I think I, I think I had a 30-minute prediction for last episode and ended up going like 55 minutes or something. So I'm actually going to try to keep to the, the idea of this being a mini-sode before we get to two... Uh, full-length episodes to close out the month. So um, yeah, that, that's that's what we're that's what we're gonna be doing here today. A little mini-sode. Um, I'm not gonna put any time prediction on it because that never works out well for me. However, this episode we will be talking about video game music, uh, something that I've been wanting to get to, and I think I think this is best served in a mini-sode without going into too much because I, I don't want to go into too much detail about any one singular. Um, you know, video game soundtrack or score, or get you know too bogged down into one artist that appears a lot uh, that does a, that does a lot of this type of uh, composition. So it's going to be more of an overview with some uh, with some you know some of my opinions, obviously. But uh, we're also going to get some trivia here about uh, about some video game scores and soundtracks and, and the like. So uh, that'll be the that'll be the cr- that'll be the crux of this episode uh, as we dive into some video game music. Should be a fun one. Uh, let's get cooking. So. When we do talk about video game music, I think the the important thing is here that we, especially for this episode, uh, we are mostly talking about the scores to video games uh, versus the soundtracks to video games. And this is an important distinction. Uh, there, the, the soundtrack is not a score. A score is not a soundtrack. The There can obviously be overlap um, in the two. But the best way to think about it is that a soundtrack is literally something that you can go down to Walmart and pick up, and it'll have songs from and about the movie or just associated with the movie that you're thinking about, uh, that, that we're talking about here. Whereas a score is the music that is being played inside of the, uh, in, in, in the uh, I guess not inside, but in the background of, of a particular movie. That is like the best way to think about it. One is something that is tangible, uh, and one is something that the only way you're going to experience it is to go see the movie um, with the with the music that's happening, the ambient music, the background music that's happening during the course of a movie. Um, and that's sort of the easiest way to think about this. Now, there is crossover, obviously. Um, a lot of movie soundtracks do include songs from the you know score. Songs that would they're associated with the score or in the score are very oftentimes on the soundtrack. Um, but very often you'll have, and this, this is, this is something that this could be a whole nother episode, but this is something that was much bigger when I was a kid. You would have original movie soundtracks that had songs that were definitely in movies, um, you know, either as source music, you know, like they're, it's being played on a radio over speakers or something, um, or a song, a song that is a part of the score that is, you know, was the background music for an action sequence or something. Um, but also, you would have songs that were just licensed for a soundtrack that did not appear anywhere uh, in a particular movie. Um, and that's why the soundtrack differs. Because the score is all of the music that is in the that is in the movie, right? That is the difference. There is nothing was written for the score. I mean, you might get bonus tracks, I suppose, if you bought an original score. But the score is all of the music that appears in a movie. I hope that this is making sense to you because I kind of feel like I'm talking myself a little bit in circles here. But that's, and, and this applies to, and obviously, otherwise I wouldn't be giving that example if there was no connection here, but this obviously applies to video games. That there are, um, they're from, 
really the onset, the beginning of video games, there has been some, uh, and not the very beginning, not thinking about stuff like Pong and, and like Pitfall or, or whatever, but really from the beginning, video games have had some variety of music involved. And really, before before licensing songs kind of became a, a bigger deal, um, most video games had some kind of original score. So that's that's what we're going with this one, right? Like there's, um, we, we're going to focus on the scores, but there is going to be some talk about the soundtracks and some uh, some individual songs and things. And there's going to be some trivia about those uh, the songs uh, coming up here in a little bit. But our focus is going to be on the music that appears in the video game, uh, in the video games that we're going to be talking about here um, as, you know, as, as the background track, essentially, for all the action, all the playthrough stuff that you're going to be doing in any particular video game. But now that I have drawn that distinction between like a soundtrack and a score, and, and using kind of the movie parallel, which is the easiest way to easiest way to, to do this, now there's even a difference between video game scores and movie scores. They're very different as well. And you again, the idea, the principle is very much the same. You know, to add this sort of um, audio uh, audio texture to the thing that you're seeing. However, video game music is very different. Because unlike the score for, um, you know, for like some kind of, uh, you know, think of like an epic battle scene and, um, uh, you know, I just like think of like something like Lord of the Rings or whatever. The music is pretty synonymous with, you know, something like the the Battle of Helm's Deep or, um, you know, the I can't remember the, the, the I can't remember the name of the big battle in the last um, in the in the last movie. But like those sort of epic clashes in Lord of the Rings had had music had scores that were very synonymous with the, um, you know, with the action sequences. Um, you know, Game of Thrones had some very, had music that was very um, synonymous with the action or like the, you know, whatever else was happening, you know, the setup to an action scene or whatever in, in Game of Thrones is very, very notable. In fact, the scores for those were very much out in front, right? They were, they were, they weren't just providing texture, they were providing, um, they were providing texture and sort of another uh, stimulus, right? Like, you know, the, your eyes are being stimulated uh, by whatever's happening in, in, in some kind of action sequence or something. But it's also the the score is also amping up and really kind of cranking up those that feeling that you're that you're already seeing. Whereas video game music is very often purposely in the background. Not that there aren't sequences wherein the music changes a little bit, and we'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, but video game music is very much purposely in the background. Um, it really is more texture and more subtle flavor than in movies, um, simply because the the video game designers and the uh, the way video games play they want to put the they want to put the focus on the player as opposed to putting the focus on the on the the the, the experience uh, in totality. Right? We just need something to fill in. You know, if you're in a if you're in a, a big fight sequence in something like um, like Call of Duty, you don't want the music to overtake you. You don't want the music to overtake the um, you know the sound effects of the you know the pops and bangs of bullets and explosions. Uh, you don't want it to overtake the you know the sounds of your of your fire team of your squad. Uh, you know, calling out commands and stuff like that. It has to be in the background. Uh, for it to really work in harmony with um, with with the gameplay, so that's like that's like the biggest, one hundred percent. That's the biggest difference, right? It's just it's not the 
it's not emphasized the same way um, in a video game as it would be in a movie. And however, like I said, that does change a little bit because very often the very often the uh, the soundtrack or excuse me the score in a video game is interactive and responsive. Um, you know when you when you are in the thrust of an action sequence or something, the music will change in you know in in its intensity or it'll speed up or slow down. You know, the tempo will change. It'll speed up or slow down. Uh, the the you know you each kind of uh, just to thinking about a video game like um, uh, like Destiny that has kind of these uh, really long um, these really long kind of missions, wherein you have different encounters within the mission. There will be different parts of the song of of a of a of a, so, of a score that are emphasized in each one of these sort of sections. Each one of these sort of uh, different parts of the mission will be emphasized differently. Um, if you you know when you're in a, in a lot of video games when you're about to die or something, the uh, the music will often pick up significantly in tempo to kind of give you that feeling of uh, of panic, if you will. So while the music definitely is more in the background than in a movie, it still has the, it's still unlike a, a movie score, um, it's interactive and responsive to the action that, that you are, um, that you're initiating. So it can pick up and kind of become more in the foreground than it was previously. It can become more intense than it was previously, or it can scale back and become less intense than it was previously, whatever. Um, you know, that's the biggest thing. That's, uh, you know, the next biggest difference between a, um, a movie score and a video game score is that interactivity. Obviously, there's no reason for anything to be interactive in a movie because you can't interact with it. You can't. It's not responding to you whatsoever. Uh, obviously, but that's the next biggest difference uh, between video game scores and movie scores. The next couple of differentiators here between video game scores and movie scores are uh, repetition and length, and uh, we'll tackle repetition first. And the because of the because of the way um, because of the way games work, very often one piece of music is used. You know, one piece of music is used for um, you know for a, for a mission or uh, you know whatever one sequence of events or whatever, and so it does have to sort of be able to wind itself through that entire mission or encounter or whatever you want to call it. Um, so there is. Uh, there is definitely more of a re- repetitive nature in um, in the way that uh, video game scores are, co- are composed. Uh, whereas, you know, when you think about a movie, um, uh, when you think about like the the the, the score picking up in, in an action sequence for a movie, it, it it doesn't have to repeat because we know, you know, the composer and the director obviously know that there's an end point for this particular scene, so the music has to. Uh, the music has to stretch and fit a particular scene. However, we don't know how long an encounter necessarily is going to last in a video game. You know, it could, a player could get hung up at one point, and so the music kind of has to be able to um, cycle through itself again and again and again, because, you know, even, it might be, it might be a piece of music that is maybe three or four minutes, you know, in length. In its totality, it's like three or four minutes, but a player might, a player or multiple players, whatever, might be on a mission that ends up lasting 13, 14 minutes. So it's, you know, triple the length, quadruple the length of the, of the music that was originally written for it. So you will have this repetitive nature of a song 
probably not fair to call them songs, but whatever. But this, but pieces of music that, um, that definitely have like a, definitely have like a, you know, for lack of a better, for lack of a, for lack of better terms here, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a composer myself or really that big of a musician whatsoever. But essentially, songs that have a beginning, middle, and end still need to then be able to cycle back through themselves and continue. Um, you know, to keep uh, to keep the action going because it would be very strange if in the middle of a mission um, in a video game. Trust me, this would be very strange. You would notice it if music just sort of ended and then picked up and began again. It has to kind of flow naturally. The song, the the pieces of the, the pieces of music have to sort of be able to weave in and out without you noticing that they're sort of repeating. If that makes sense. And then this brings into the last thing here. Like I said, there is a fixed. Uh, when when someone like Hans Zimmer is writing, uh, is composing music for um, for Christopher Nolan's latest action movie or whatever, um, he is getting a cut of that scene that has a definitive beginning, has a definitive beginning and end, and he can fit that music however he wants to uh, for you know for this particular three minute segment, four minute segment, five minute segment, whatever it is, he can fit it, he can fit it to that. Um, because he knows that there is this is the time frame that he has to work with. Um, whereas in video games, you might have uh, you know I played I played video games where in uh, just to use Destiny again um, because it's it, it's it's music. First off, Destiny's music is really really great. The the score is fantastic, um, and it does give it this very epic feel. But also, notoriously, some of these missions in Destiny. You could be playing uh, some of these raids, as they call them, or dungeons, as they call them. You could be playing those for a couple of hours. And so the music, the comp- the compositions need to be able to stretch for long periods of time. So there are, um, I haven't, I've never charted it before, but I'm sure if I looked up on like YouTube, I could get the, a lot of the, the song, the, the song lengths, the lengths of, uh, of uh, pieces of music in Destiny. I'm sure that they are more like six, seven minutes long a piece. Um, knowing that they have to stretch for potentially, um, you know, the music has to stretch potentially for like 30 to 40 minutes, possibly, you know, an hour or longer uh, on some occasions. And there is no way you would be writing the music for a movie. You know, there's no way you'd be writing music, the music for a movie unless it was a, you know, some kind of, unless it was some kind of film where in, like, just thinking of like Koyanis Katsi, where there is music, where the, where there is a score that literally starts minute one and ends minute ninety or however long that movie is. Um, there are some rare, rare, rare exceptions to that, but no one is writing, no one is composing music to potentially fill a movie for like a hundred minutes or more. Whereas in video games, it's a distinct possibility that uh, some of the things that you're doing, some of the action that you're doing, might require music to stretch out for that long. So those are the those are the big things that really separate, you know, after after you know, kind of taking out the score, the soundtrack versus score element, and then you know, really differentiating the score, the you know, the, the difference between a score and a video game and a movie, even though they have very similar, um, per, you know, they serve they're serving the same purposes. Um, they're very very different, and those are the main reasons there. the 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 idea that um, the video game music is more in the background, it's much more interactive. Well, it's interactive and responsive and obviously movie scores are not and then the idea of this sort of uh need for repetition and need for music to cover really big swaths of time 
uh, just stuff that really differentiates video game music from uh, from its movie counterpart. I feel like I'm making good time here, so this is the last time I'm even going to think about this. But let's jump in right now, real quickly, to a little bit of video game trivia. Um, so this should be this uh, this should be fun. I should say video game music trivia, not just video game trivia. Video game music trivia. This should be kind of fun and uh, pretty interesting here. So let's start off first. Uh, how many questions do I have here? Actually, is it one, two, three, four, five? I got like six questions here for you. So start off with our first little bit of trivia here. Um, per usual, I'll give you a, I'll give you a second to think about things before I jump into it. I'm not going to wait as long as previously. There's no real reason to. Um, if you really are that curious, feel free to pause it and then, uh, and then, uh, come back with your answer. But, uh, <clears throat> anyway, video game music trivia, our first little trivia bit here. This is the first game with continuous background music. First game with continuous background music. Any ideas out there? Well, if you guessed Space Invaders from 1978, you would be correct. And uh, it's really, it's a very, it is, this is one of those things that very, uh, one of those pieces of music that kind of just barely meets the qualifications as music. Um, the uh, the music, the background music for Space Invaders was four descending bass notes. Um, and that was just kind of it. But very interesting that this was interactive. Right off the bat, 1978, we have music that is interactive in a video game. Um, as if you're unfamiliar with Space Invaders, it's a, uh, I guess it wouldn't even be a side scroller at this or, you know, top to bottom scroller at this point, but basically you're in a little aircraft or a little spaceship and you're shooting lasers at, uh, at the columns of, of the invaders, uh, and you're knocking them out. And as you went farther and farther and progressed farther into the game, the pace of the music picked up as, uh, as, as you, the player got farther along to kind of increase the, uh, you know, increase the, the panic, I suppose. So right off the bat, 1978 space invaders, we have an interactive video game score. Um, and co- again, calling it a score is very generous, um, considering it was just a few notes that made up this background music for space invaders, but there's your first bit of trivia. All right, let's get to the next bit of trivia. Uh, so we're going to kind of piggy, piggyback off that first question. How about, what is the first video game with a continuous melodic background music? So really, what is the first video game with what really amounts to an actual score? Go ahead and get your guesses in here now. And if you guessed Rally X from 1980, you would be correct. This is the... What different? What really separates um, what Space Invaders was going for a couple of years earlier, and what Rally X did is this is like a definite. This is a definite song, if you will. Like there is a, it's not just a few notes, kind of uh, you know changing their changing their tempo. This has this is multiple notes. It's a short. It's a very short bit of music, but this is definitely more of a melody. This is something. Think about something that you would like kind of whistle. Uh, you know, while you were doing something, it's more along the lines of that versus what was happening in Space Invaders. Um, so, Rally X, and if you're not familiar with Rally X, I actually was not either, but I, I know I've seen it before. Um, basically, it's basically just Pac-Man with little rally cars, uh, is all this is. But um, yeah, it definitely had like a you know each each little maze level that you're on, and you're trying to avoid other uh, other cars on the in this maze. It definitely had this very, it definitely had this little tune that probably, my guess is the loop on this tune is 20 to 30 seconds tops. 
but it was but it was an actual melody it was more of a song than uh than what uh, space invaders had all right let's go to our next bit of trivia this game is one of the namesakes for a musical subgenre we have talked about previously on this show and i'm pretty sure this is the only musical subgenre that takes a video game's name uh period so i'll give you a quick second to think about this and if you guessed outrun for the musical sub for the musical subgenre and video game you would be correct this is also what we talked about previous in a previous episode uh chum and i talked about uh synthwave or um you know synthwave music um vaporwave future wave um whatever but uh, synthwave uh an electric electronic subgenre that is noted for its unmistakable 1980s sound really kind of um the roots of the subgenre really stretch back to john carpenter um you know creating the doing the soundtrack for basically all of his movies but really especially um taking the the halloween theme is the piece of music that sort of it's hard to say that who creates something necessarily but like that's the foundation for um for synthwave slash outrun um is, is someone like john carpenter is the foundation for that particular uh, musical subgenre um and uh to this day john carpenter is still performing uh all of his uh all of his uh um all of his scores for his for his various uh movies so it's pretty awesome um i and i really do think you could safely say that probably 90% of video game music from 1980 to 1999 let's say maybe a little earlier than that but certainly 1980 to 1999 90% of that music from video games would fall under the synthwave genre um simply because it is synthesizer music was easy it is i mean not saying that it's easy from like the composition standpoint but it's easy to port and like easy to make um music on a synthesizer and i'm assuming that at this point especially when you go back to the 1980s and early 1990s I'm assuming it was much easier to compress that music, uh, synthesizer music for, um, you know, for your video game score, your video game soundtrack. Um, so I'm assuming that because of the ease of that is why is basically the ease of the ease of using synthesizers and that t- type of electronic music to me kind of signals that um, you could put the the vast majority of video game music under this under the synthwave under the synthwave subgenre if you really wanted to all right how about this one uh, more of a soundtrack question here for you and uh, we'll get into this one's kind of interesting um the first video game with a soundtrack by musicians if you guessed journey escape 1982 which is also the name of the album from the same year um then you would be correct this is this is a video game. I gotta let me pull up. Um, everyone loves when we do some uh, typing here on the podcast. It makes for great podcasting. But the video game Journey Escape for from 1982. It was for the Atari 2600, and this is sort of the um, this is the the gameplay plot, if you will. Um, player must lead the band members of of Journey to their scarab escape vehicle which is featured on the cover for the video game and i'm assuming this is also on the it's also on the cover of the uh somewhat on the cover of the uh of the album of the same name and protect the concert 
excuse me, and protect the concert uh, cash from love-crazed groupies, sneaky photographers, stage barriers, and shifty-eyed promoters. Um, assisting the player are roadies, which provide short periods of immunity to obstacles, and the manager, depicted as, for some reason, the Kool-Aid Man. That is correct. You heard that right. Which allows the player to move the scarab vehicle completely unhindered. The screen scrolls vertically nonstop, and although the speed can be controlled, the player moves side to side to dodge the aforementioned obstacles. So it's uh, kind of like Space Invaders, but uh, in band form. Um, so that, that's the, the plot synopsis there for Journey Escape, the video game. And it's really interesting. So there's like a soundtrack for the video game uh, that basically is just also the album, but there are some original... In the gameplay, there's like original journey music within the gameplay, and the opening, um, the opening menu uh, for the intro menu to start the game is some kind of sample of "Don't Stop Believing." So this is definitely like an early, a very sort of early attempt at what would become extraordinarily commonplace. If you've played a video game now, especially like a sports video game, um, you know, like a Madden uh, 2K or whatever. I mean, it's it's just a given if you're a popular artist or an up-and-coming artist to have your song or multiple songs featured in the soundtracks uh, for these types of video games. But very interesting that you, you go back 42 years, uh, 42 years ago with a band like Journey, which doesn't really seem like a great fit for video games necessarily. But even back then, we were trying to figure out uh, ways to uh, to cross media to to maximize uh you know to maximize your uh your profits if you will all right let's move on to our next little bit of trivia here and i will say that uh right off the rip i am not 100 percent sure in the veracity of this but i can't find anything to counter this either so i'm going with it um and if it's incorrect sue me i guess um and this is a, a little bit of a kind of a two-parter here um you'll see why so what band was the first band to debut one of their songs in a Madden video game? And this is a critically acclaimed song. So go ahead and get your guess in here. And if you guessed Green Day debuting American Idiot in the 2005 version of Madden, you would be correct. As far as I can tell, um, this was the first instance this is the first instance of a band having a song that would obviously become one of their one of their biggest hits, and um, you know if you know a song that is that is definitely um, I guess one of the songs that is definitely synonymous with Green Day. Uh, you know, American Idiot. Um, the, the, well, the American Idiot um, album in general uh, is synonymous with Green Day in the same way that Dookie is. Um, some of the you know it, that that album has some of their best songs of all time. And American Idiot is one of their best songs of all time. And the fact that it debuted, it's it, the first place that it dropped, the first place you could have heard it was not on, uh, you know, wasn't on the, you know, wasn't on your local rock station. It wasn't like a, an MTV premiere video or a VH1 premiere video or something like that. Didn't appear on, I guess it would have been pre-YouTube. But you know what I'm saying? Like sort of the, um, sort of the, the ways you would normally debut a, a big song um, the only way you could have heard it first is if you bought Madden 2005. And uh, obviously this it's, 
you know, the, the, the album itself goes on to be American Indian album itself goes on to be nominated for Grammy awards. Um, it's a fantastic album and it's just very, very interesting that this was their chosen medium for, uh, what is, what's definitely a protest song, <laughs> by the way. Um, but that Madden was the chosen medium to, um, I'm sure, I'm sure Madden paid quite a bit for it. Um, but that was the chosen medium to debut this particular song. And like I said, I cannot find anything that refutes this and you know, that, that there was, that there was an instance of a band debuting a song fresh, um, you know, in another video game, uh, sure. I'm sure that there are bands that have lent songs or pieces of music that, that became scores, but not but in this case, we're talking purely about a song that would chart like on the, on the billboard later. Um, so this is, you know, this is a different scenario and I just can't find any other information that says other, that says otherwise. So the answer for this one is Green Day's American Idiot in the Madden 2005 edition. All right. And let's wrap up this trivia section with something very, very recent as in last year. Um, this person is the first winner of the newly created Grammy for best score soundtrack for video games and other interactive media. Um, I can not going to give you much time in this one because you either know this or you absolutely don't, uh, because this is a brand new category in the Grammys. And of course the winner, the very first winner of this new category in the Grammys, Stephanie Economu. I hope I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. It looks almost like economy if you just like swapped a couple of letters out, but Stephanie Economu. Um, and she won it for her, um, for her score for Assassin's Creed, Valhalla, Dawn of Ragnarok, one of the expansions for uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, um, and it. Uh, I listened to a little bit of it. It's very, it's very excellent. Combining some of the, uh, you know, the Norse Norse folk music um, along with like black metal and and some other stuff. It's really, really good. And Stephanie Economou, uh, a composer that's done tons of other stuff, has done stuff for uh, for Disney, has uh, Disney and Pixar, has done other movies, TV shows. Uh, you you have probably and other video games too for that matter you've probably heard something a piece of her music in something in the past decade or so so stephanie economou the first winner of the grammy for best score soundtrack for video games and other interactive media and i'll tell you what she beat out some absolute titans um in the field of um of video game scores with like um let me, I'm going to pause this real quick because i got to look this up. These are some big names. Okay, here, I just want to get this list. She beat out uh, Austin Wintory, who'd been doing uh, video game composing for literally like the better part of like 25 years now. Uh, Bear McCreary, who's probably more famous for movie and TV scores, um, including like The Walking Dead, Battlestar Galactica, Black Sails, um, Outlander, amongst others. Uh, I mean, just a ton of stuff. Um, and uh, she beat out like this other guy that has won a bunch of Grammys for like uh, for other like crossover like classical music albums and stuff like that. So pretty pretty stacked field uh, for this particular uh, for this particular uh, first time award uh, from last year. But the Stephanie Economou beat them all out for once again Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Dawn of Ragnarok. Okay, so let's wrap this up just with my top three video games. I think are completely inseparable from their music from their scores um and this is no particular order just i'm just naming three here and there is a bit of recency bias i will say that but whatever um first off halo take the entire series is not a singular game but 
the the music from i believe it's martin o'connell or martin o'donnell Ooh, probably should look that up i'm not going to right now you've already heard me type one other time um but uh that music is you know the game is obviously fantastic the game series pretty much top to bottom is, is really great but i think i i often wonder if it would feel the same if they went with if they went with more of a um if they went with a, if they went with a score and soundtrack that were more like hard rock or like too futuristic sounding, as opposed to this very uh, almost almost religious choral arrangement and orchestral arrangements for a lot of the songs, if it wouldn't feel as epic, and I I really have this feeling that it wouldn't necessarily feel the same. The game probably would still be very very good, but the the that choir singing the uh, you know those opening notes that again almost sounds religious, which is you know, tons of religious um, overtones in this movie or in the movie in the video game. There's there's this very religious sort of you know the covenant. See the 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 rings is like these holy objects, and you know they're on this holy war, which uh, we can get into the problems of uh, we can get into the problems of the portrayal of the covenant uh, possibly in a different episode if if we can. Uh, but there is definitely this sort of religious overtone to um, to everything in Halo, and the music just sort of rises to meet what they were setting out in the video game. Uh, next here, I have to do it. We got we got we have to put in a classic video game here that is extraordinarily tied into its music, and that of course is Tetris. And very in very particular, the uh, the song that you think about when you think about Tetris, it's called. Korobaniki, it's a Russian folk song that they kind of um, that they sped up and, and kind of jazzed up for the theme for the Tetris theme. Uh, but Korobaniki, I feel like I'm pronouncing this right. Korobaniki um, means the peddlers, and the song is about two people haggling over the price of goods. And apparently, it's some kind of Russian metaphor for sex or seduction or something, which sounds about right. Um, but Tetris, completely inseparable from its music. Um, what other, what other video game on this planet has, has, you know, takes, uh, you know, takes an old, takes an old folk song and puts it front and center, uh, for, for the gameplay. Um, and, and, and it just, it's iconic. Like ever, everyone, how many, how many different songs have you heard over the years that have sampled Korobaniki or, or either Korobaniki or the actual, um, the actual Tetris theme again, which is sort of a a touched up redone version of Korobaniki. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. It, it is, there are probably young people who know the music who don't even understand like where it came from. So Tetris, um, just completely inseparable from its music as well. And I, I wanted to wrap up this portion. Well, I get, I have a bonus one here, but in terms of the, the top three, um, and thinking more about the score versus the, uh, versus the soundtrack, I did want to wrap up with Quake. Um, Quake was a uh, Quake was like a one of those early shooter, an early shooter type game, an early an early uh, GoldenEye type game, though with more a little bit more violent, more like more on the line, more along the lines of Doom, but not as like uh, Doom and Duke Nukem, but not as like sort of comic booky. It was a little bit more um, dark, grim, gothic, uh, and who better to do a dark, grim, gothic soundtrack and also provide the the voice. Um, for the dialogue, for the voice, for the for the quote unquote main character in Quake, um, but who better to do all of this than to tap Trent Reznor to do the Quake soundtrack? Um, 
it's it, you know quake to me it was a fun game um especially like doing like the arena stuff and doing multiplayer stuff it was fun but wasn't one that sort of lived on for for super long i think there were like two or three iterations of quake later and i feel like possibly even maybe there's a fourth game and it really possibly feel like it changed quite a bit but i I could i could be conflating it with another video game series but anyway point being quake was totally solid very fun um but the certainly the music the the score that trent reznor created for this outlived uh quake by quite a bit and um it wasn't this definitely wasn't his first sort of foray into composition um you know he did uh i'm pretty certain he composed the music for natural born killers but this would have been one of his early one of his early forays into music composition and obviously well he got pretty darn good at it besides you know besides all of his stuff that he's doing with nine inch nails at the time obviously he goes on to win multiple grammys and academy awards for uh all of his uh all of his uh music uh, for all of his uh, movie scores uh that he does with atticus ross um, but, uh, one of the early iterations of this was the Quake soundtrack and I highly recommend it. It's a very, uh, it's just at the Quake score, the score and soundtrack, but I highly recommend it. It's a really excellent example of, um, of, of an early, of an early big name jumping into, uh, the video game music world. And then I just wanted to wrap up with it, with a soundtrack. Um, maybe the best, I, I think this is the best version of, the video game soundtrack that there ever was and there ever will be. Um, and that is the soundtrack to Grand Theft Auto, Vice City, uh, rest in peace, Ray Liotta, um, as the voice of Tommy Versetti. But that soundtrack with the, with the, the 80s heavy synth wave and 80s pop music and the way it just blended in so perfectly with the atmosphere that they created for Vice City. Um, you know, this sort of, this sort of, uh, their version of uh, of Scarface, um, you know, Tommy Versetti being the the uh, Tony Montana character, um, just you know doing the in, the in the cocaine and drug underworld of what is ostensibly Miami in the video games, but obviously Vice City. Um, but the the use of the soundtrack, the use of the music, you, the, your ability to listen to it while you're driving or flying a plane that you've just stolen or whatever, um, it's fantastic. I think hands down gave gave new life to the band a flock of seagulls um as well as some other uh, 1980s uh pop uh, pop acts um and 1980s rock acts and really kind of set really kind of set a precedent for the for the grand theft auto series to then make the soundtrack like not just like a big part of the game like this it's a staple part of the game and it started it started with uh with vice city being such a big hit and that soundtrack really starting off, uh, you know, really setting off uh, the the fervor for this particular uh, entry into the Grand Theft Auto series. So that that's the bonus, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, and that does it for this for this mini set. I actually think I made some pretty good time, a little longer than I thought, but pretty good time on this one. Uh, and that's it. We'll be back next week with a couple more full length episodes in which we are going to dive into first one up. We're going to dive into sports logos and uniforms for our our next loose end that we're going to try to tie up. So that'll be it. That's it for today. Uh, We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading.